Good evening, everyone. It's time for the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. You notice how I've been uh, differentiating that, Mike? Uh-huh. I wanted to the Necromaniac Horror Podcast. Yeah. That is true. We don't want to be confused with anything else, right, Michael? Yeah, like there's some guy named Necro that we don't want to be confused with. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all uh, That's all we'll say about that. Yeah. But welcome, everybody. <laughs> To the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. Mike Scandato and Mike Hill for this episode. It is good to be here. It is a Thursday. We are still in July. We're at the ass end of July, kind of sweating it out. Man, was it a hot ass week, huh, Mike? You ain't kidding, man. It was real hot here in the uh, the Northeast. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was brutal. Uh, you know, definitely, uh, had the AC cranked this week. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I was away for a few days celebrating the old birthday, uh, in, in Atlantic city. And luckily, uh, Stella and I spent a, a few days of the horrific heat wave, just pretty much, you know, trapped in, inside a, you know, hotel casino, which was pretty nice. So, yeah. I had an action packed weekend too, man. <laughs> what did you do? I uh, I hung out with my friend Dana, who um, mm-hmm. she's moving to uh, to uh, Germany, so I got to oh, see wow. her for a little bit. Hung out with her. Then I shot over to St. Vitus once again for one of those mm-hmm. late late shows. Oh, cool! Who'd you say? Uh, Executioner's Mask played, and uh, I had Jay, the uh, singer, on Everything Went Black as a guest a few uh, episodes ago. So it was uh-huh. really really cool to see him perform live. And uh, yeah, they ended up staying at my my place. The next morning, I woke up and really early with like maybe two and a half hours of sleep. Drove down to <laughs> Richmond to like check out some of my friends down there, and uh, and yeah, it was a, it was an action packed weekend. So you drove to Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. Oh wow! How yeah. about that? Yeah. How many hours is that from Jersey? That's only five hours. Five hours. Wow. You're, you're, you're a trooper, Markel. What, dude? From being on tour, I'm used to driving like 10 hours, 8 hours, so the 5 hours is not that bad, really. Yeah, you know what? I guess you're right. I guess that isn't too bad once you've been in a van for as many hours as you have been in 2022. That's true, yeah. Yes, indeed. But uh, listeners, welcome. If you're joining us for the first time, hello, hello. If you're a long-time listener, you know the deal. We come at you uh, every Thursday on all of the beautiful podcast platforms. And uh, we like to kick off the show with some plugs. Right, Mike? Yeah, because we're, we're taking this thing by storm. We got, mm-hmm. we got entertainment every damn day. You know, coming Every at day. You. Between us yeah. and our buddies, starting on Monday with the Horror Wolf 666 podcast, brought to you by Brandon Legion. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, we have Into the Necrosphere for all things extreme metal, brought to you by Jackie Smith. Wednesday, we have uh, Everything Went Black, which is kind of um, more like an eclectic selection of things that uh, I personally find interesting. <laughs> so you'll find, I don't know how many people you know find it as interesting as I do, but you'll find you know music on there, uh, filmmakers, artists, Authors, all sorts of people on there. And, yeah. Uh, and of course, Thursday, Necromaniacs. You know, That's the, right. The horror podcast co-hosted by me, you, and 
Jeff Kashid. Mm-hmm. And the end of the the week ends off strong with Break the Apocalypse. And uh, yeah, that's uh, features your brother John Draper. John Draper. We are brothers with different last names. That's right. Yeah. And uh, John's co-host Shaheen. What's up, guys? Thank you very much for your support. And hello to uh, your listeners who check us out. And uh, what we also like to do is talk a little bit about, you know, what we've been watching or uh, reading, you know, or maybe even listening to. But before that, I'm going to add two additional plugs, Mike Hill. One is for Mike Hill's very own Tombs, a metal band that you should be supporting. Follow them on Spotify. Follow those motherfuckers. And my band, The Last Stand. If you like hardcore music, you should check out The Last Stand on Spotify or uh, iTunes or wherever the hell else you check out your music. So I just threw those two plugs into the mix, Mike. I'm going to add another plug too, Mike. Uh, you should also be checking out Inhuman too, man. Yes. Uh, there are 500 Inhumans. We're the only one that matters, folks. Uh, we are the long-running uh, New York hardcore band, Inhuman. Been around since 1995. We've got four, five releases out there on Spotify and uh, the digital platforms. So check that shit out as well. What have you been listening to, reading, or watching, Mike? Well, you know, to gear up for that Executioner's Mask show, I've been listening to them a lot. Um, cool. You know they're they're uh, they're a band that's been on uh, heavy rotation for me. Um, you know that uh, as far as watching, I caught the Guar documentary on Shutter. Oh, nice! Now I imagine that that covers up to the death of Odorous, obviously. Yeah, yeah, Dave Brocky. They they talk mm-hmm. about the the death. It's a very um, emotional uh, documentary, actually. I I there's a lot of stuff I didn't know about Guar. And, um, mm, yeah, I would check that out. Very informative, very emotional. Uh, a lot of familiar faces you'll see in there. You know, bands, mm-hmm. bands that you guys uh, probably like. You know, that are yeah. native to Richmond, Virginia. Um, and then I finally got back into Better Call Saul. Oh, very cool. See, I'm still behind on the current season, but I, I am going to remedy that. I think I don't have AMC because I don't have cable, so. Amazon Prime offers nicely prices seasons of current running shows. Like, since I don't have cable, I'm not really able to watch Animal Kingdom. So I bought the season for 20 bucks. Oh, wow. And it's like 12 episodes. So that's actually really good. It is. You know? And I think I can do the same with the current Better Better Call Saul season. So I'm, I'm just going to end up buying the bullet and pay the money. And then somewhere, some listeners of ours who, who have the, the other means are, are screaming, going, why are you paying for anything? Well, that's because that's just what I like to do. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't like to get illegal means of any of the content that I watch. That's just me. I don't know. Call me whatever. Um, I don't have a broken fire stick or whatever the hell, you know. <laughs> I don't have a cracked code, yada, yada. I just like to pay for things and or own things. 
Is that crazy, Mike? No, I do the same, man. I have Bandcamp. I'm always buying stuff. I buy movies. Mm -hmm. I buy, you know, hard copies of records and DVDs yes. and Blu-rays and all that kind of stuff. Cassette tapes, all that. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just of our Gen X-ness showing, but I think uh, collectors of all ages just like to own things or even own the downloads, right? I mean, that's something. Well, my, man, I... I we had a big discussion on everything went black uh with steve uh williams of in it records mm -hmm. about owning even the mp3 because mm -hmm. you don't know when someone's just going to decide to take that shit down that's true i mean that's why i feel like if it's a more say underground band who uh, say has all their stuff on you know spotify has all their stuff on apple um well if they're on an indie label, you never know what's going to happen with that label. Yeah. Right? That's true. So it might pay to own the CD. It may pay to own the cassette or own the vinyl, right? I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, not everybody is on, you know, Epic Records, Columbia Records, et cetera, right? Yeah. And also, I, I do remember having uh, – I've read stuff about how some of these, like, more high-profile, like, R&B artists will actually change the songs. Like, they'll – they'll change mixes or whatever. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, if you're streaming it and then there's a different version of the song or something, you know, something like that. I remember reading about that, like Kanye yeah, that West makes or sense. something, you know? That makes sense because they, they may not own the version of that song, but they have the permission to re-record that song. Yeah, you know, so, and, and, you know, I, I would rather have, like, I, I, I'm, I support artists putting out remixes and remasters or whatever, but... You know, I want to know what I'm getting at least. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, totally, totally. Uh, me, I uh, I wrapped up the Tomb of Dracula Volume One, and I'm on to uh, Vigilante Volume oh. One uh, in trade paperback. Yeah. Um, it's funny. This trade paperback actually came out back in 2017. I think it's the first 11 or 12 issues of Vigilante. Uh, for the listeners, Vigilante was an early 80s DC comic that was uh, by Marv uh, Wolfman, who uh, co-created the Teen Titans and a bunch of other great stuff. Um, to say it was inspired by the Punisher would be very accurate. <laughs> sure. However, there's uh, some definite differences between uh, Vigilante and the Punisher. Their, their origin story is rather similar. His, his you know, their, their wife and children were killed by the mob and yada yada but as opposed to uh frank castle just kind of going full berserker and you know and he was like a vietnam vet uh adrian chase who is the alter ego of vigilante was actually a district attorney suit and tie guy very kind of normal straight-laced guy who upon the death of his family kind of lost it and became this avenger so similarities and differences between the, the origins of Vigilante and Punisher. And uh, also, you may know him due to the extremely popular Peacemaker show on uh, HBO Max. Uh, they kept his name, Adrian Chase, but they completely changed his origin for that show, Mike Hill. He's a young kid, and, you know, it's super different from the uh, early 80s DC comic. It was a pretty dark character, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very tragic. I won't give away the ending of yeah. the series, but it, it ends very tragically, the series. And uh, it's kind of like a, a mature reader's book 
that it didn't start out as a mature reader's book, but I believe as it went on into the 80s, it ended in 88, they did slap that little mature readers onto the cover. It was never Vertigo because it actually did take place in the regular DC universe, Mike. Yeah, during the 80s, I remember there was that time when it was, um, you know, the direct sales market was opening Mm -hmm. up. And and there was like definitely some books like Moon Knight with Marvel that they kind of made it more adult. You know what I mean? And oh, I, totally. Yeah, and I feel like Vigilante kind of fit that same mold. Um, and Swamp Thing and yep. Hellblazer were started before the Vertigo imprint uh, in the beginning of the 90s when Vertigo came out. A lot of 80s books were pretty edgy, so they would just put mature somewhere, mature content, mature readers on there. But yeah, a lot of these books were, you know, sitting right next to your Supermans and your Batmans and whatnot. And great stuff. Check it out, Vigilante. How many volumes are there of that trade? Oh, here's the problem. I don't think they ever made volumes two, three, four, or five. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I I am almost certain about that. I'll have to double check. But you can get volume one. But I even think volume one, like I had to get it on eBay because it's kind of out of print. It came out in 2017. And it's funny. I remember I was at Midtown Comics holding it in my hand. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just get this next time. And I never fucking got it. Oh, man. So I, I bought it on eBay for like 20 bucks. So, you know, from a, a you know person who had it in near mint condition. So I kind of lucked out. I don't think they ever followed up, which is a fucking crime. Um, it went 50 issues. A uh, buddy of mine was telling me the, the other day that he has all 50. I was like, nice. Um, I'm working on completing my... My Sandman, Mike, I have 12 issues to go of the entire Sandman run. Oh, nice. Excellent. Yeah, some of them are, are pretty pricey, but uh, I'm almost there. And, of course, I, I probably said before on the show, I'm very proud I have the entire Preacher run. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I got, I got the same here. Yeah, that, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a classic. Must have. Must have. So that's what, what's been going on on the, the reading front, back into trade paperbacks, uh, on the viewing front, um, loving Animal Kingdom, um, you know, talked a little bit about that show last time, and uh, plowing through the many Joe Bobs that I completely am behind on. So I just finished up the the Tenebrae episode, which was really good, by the way. Yeah, that was great. Joe Bob's right. Yeah, that was great, actually. I didn't know he liked that movie so much. He gave, he gave it four stars. That's rare for him. Yeah, he, he that's his four stars is our five stars, folks. And uh, Darcy even did a little Tenebrae cosplay. I mean, it was like wow. I was like, oh. as, a, as a Dario fan and a big fan of Tenebrae, which we've covered on the show, mind you. Uh, yeah, I got a big kick out of that episode. Well, all right. Yeah, and you know, Mike, I'd want to ask you a, a listener. On, on a not on Instagram or Facebook, um, I post on a metal message board called Revelation of Doom. Had inquired if our entire run was on YouTube because he found some of it on YouTube, and was wondering if we could ever get everything on YouTube. Yeah, and I'm wondering what an undertaking that would probably that, be. That, that's quite a bit of uh, material, like work to do. Um, <laughs> Some of it, uh, it had a lot to do with the the host that we were using, like, because mm-hmm. you know we started doing this when when um, the stuff was just kind of emerging, you know, right? And not That's a, true. not everything was uh, was so easy to do automatically. 
Mm. So now everything can post to it, but some of those early episodes are are not on YouTube per se. But, right, right. But yeah, I I mean, you know, I don't know. It's it's a lot yeah, of work, man. It would be a lot of work. I get it. I mean, so yeah, some of our early early stuff listeners is on YouTube. I even think our I think our first few, like our first five are there. I almost feel like. Yeah. Um yeah. but the entire run is is I don't think available on Spotify. You know, it's just, it was just kind of, we were victim of the times. Yeah. Well, we were Spotify, Spotify <laughs> came along. Like when we were like half, you know, like maybe after the first like 50 issue, 50 uh, yeah, you know, episodes. Right. Um, but also the thing is sometimes YouTube will, will take down shit because of uh, copyright stuff with like, mm. you know, music and stuff like that. Cause we always steal, you know, music. That's right. Yeah. We would always use music. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So some of that stuff might've got blocked, you know, who knows? I don't know. You know, what do you, what do you want from me? You know what I mean? But I did inform the listener that uh, Podbean has the entire run of Necromaniacs. Well, that, that's our host, so they have everything, right. yeah. That is the one place, so even the listeners now who are curious and they missed something from two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, uh, Podbean has everything we've ever done. So you can go there, check them all out. Um, but yeah, it, it was cool to get that question. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, those early episodes were fucking epics, man. It's like, I guess they were, they were, they were as long as, uh, stranger things, which is, uh, <laughs> was a thorn in my side. I'm just going to put it out there. Some of the listeners will disagree. will agree. I thought season three was very bad until that very last episode. Okay. I was watching season four. I got to basically episode four and I went, I can't do this to myself. I was so not enjoying it. You know what I did? I went right to that last episode that everyone's talking about. Yeah. I skipped and just went right to the end. And I, ba and I barely made it through that one. And I'm just like, you know what, man? I, I think, I think I'm good with stranger things. I think I'm done. I, not into it. I suppose they're doing another episode too. Another uh, well, they're doing another season, oh I God, think. Man. And I thought this was the last season. I could have sworn I'd heard this was the last season. No, there is another season. Those which, kids, those kids are getting too old, man. Yeah, I mean, they they have uh, multiple husbands and wives at this point. They have many children. No, um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Honestly, those first two seasons I enjoyed very much. And even season two ended kind of cool. You almost could have put a cap on it maybe, you know. But with everything today, movies, TV, blah, 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 everyone wants sequels. No one wants anything to end. And things go on forever. So, and I feel like this show is an example of that. I was so bored by what was going on in those seasons three and four. I was like, is it me? I mean, I don't know. And then I'm like, I think this show is, is, is a children's show that a lot of adults watch, but it, to me, it is basically a pure kids show. And don't get me wrong. I watch fucking star Wars shit where uh, a, an adult could say to me, you're watching what is basically a purely child show. <laughs> However, I think those shows are good and entertaining and I'm not bored by them. They're exciting. 
I didn't find anything very exciting about this current uh, bunch of, of episodes of Stranger Things, Mike. So therefore, I think I, I bid them farewell. Yeah, what about I, you? I, I I watched the entire thing, and I got to say, there were there were moments that were cool. Like I like the uh, the Lovecraftian shit with that. What's his name, Victus? Yeah, whatever. that new that new monster was cool. He yeah. was cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like this Luciferian. You know, mm -hmm. fall from grace of the character, which I, I dug that, but a lot of the stuff was just like, you know, like the uh, addition of like ten more characters. It's like how many more characters are they going to add to the show? Like Jesus, like too many. There's too many people on the show. I yeah. hate when there's too many people on a show. There's it's too many, too many storylines. You know, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know about ripped Hopper. You know. <laughs> Like, I don't know if it works. I mean, I get it. He was in a, you know, fucking gulag, you know, so I'm sure that he lost weight and he was like the Russian thing. Yeah. It just, it just, I didn't even care. Like, I didn't even care about that whole Russian thing. Yeah. I didn't even care. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't into that really. You know? Wasn't into it. But again, apparently the youngers loved it and plenty of adults I know loved it. But just for me personally, I don't know. I think uh, I think it's it's over, Johnny, for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's over. But I, uh, I I even thought about not even checking out this season, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Three was so like trudging along and just like, oh my god, I don't even like any of these new characters. It's like, oof. Four, I'll say they upped the horror ante. Yes, they did. But I just I don't think. I think three left me so broken that I didn't even care. Like, I don't know. Uh. Yeah, three was bad, definitely. Yeah. And I think some listeners are going to disagree, and some are going to say, finally, someone said it. Who knows, Mike? But uh, <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we're all different. You know, we all have different opinions. You know, we're not, mm -hmm. I'm not like Ted Cruz or something like that, who everyone <laughs> has to be exactly the same as me, you know? But uh <laughs> oh my god, Ted Cruz reference into a Stranger Things conversation, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, but uh, hey, yeah. So yeah, that's that's what's been going on, man. You know, um, and it brings us to tonight's episode, Mike. Mike, we're going back in time again, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. To uh, a relatively obscure film called God Told Me To. Yes relatively obscure um, but mm -hmm. you said that there's there's a 4k coming out that which means that it's actually a, a good seller over at blue yeah um now this movie has been with blue underground for for a long time uh on you know dvd and blu-ray and when i was doing my little research on it sure enough they they have made it in in 4k ultra hd and blue underground has only kind of been doing that they've been picking and choosing what they do that with um, they did it with like you know Maniac and Zombie and you know they're they're heavy hitters that they have in in their their stable, but they did one for God told me to, which to me has to mean that they felt that it was worthy and that uh, it sells. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Well, this came out October twenty second, nineteen seventy six, and is a lean ninety one minutes long. Mm hmm. Yep. Directed and written by Larry Cohen. Who, uh, if you're a fan of horror, you know the name Larry Cohen. He's got a huge catalog, including It's Alive, mm -hmm. the, the Stuff, cool Q, Q, which is one of my favorite. Q. Oh, I need to see that again. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then a whole host of other films. You know, he's, he's just a and, prolific guy. Uh, the other cool thing about Mr. Larry Cohen, all of his movies on location in New York City. Isn't that cool? Yeah, he's a very, very New York filmmaker. Yeah. Totally. Like, he, he liked to set the, the movies that he made, you know, in New York, shot in New York. Um, you know, never met him. I mean, he I, he did the con circuit, you know. He died uh, March 23rd, 2019 at the age of 82. Uh, but I never got to meet him, though. I, I always wanted to meet him. Hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the star of this is uh, Tony Lobianco. Mm-hmm. As uh, Lieutenant Peter J. Nicholas, I don't, I don't buy that name really. <laughs> Peter Nicholas, yeah, he doesn't like, look like a Peter Nicholas to me. Yeah, he looks as Italian as the day is long. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. we've got uh, De- Deborah Rafflin as Casey Forster, Sandy Dennis as Martha Nicholas, Sylvia Sidney as Elizabeth Mullen, Sam Levine as Everett Lucas. Robert Drybus as David Morton, Mike Kellen as the deputy commissioner, and we have mm-hmm. one of my favorite character actors, Richard Lynch, as Bernard Phillips. And uh, Richard Lynch passed away back in 2012. So um, yes, yeah, kind of a a face that once you see, you kind of never would forget. Yeah. Um, Mike Kellen. Uh, was in one of our favorite movies collectively at the old Necromaniacs podcast. Uh, he was in none other than Sleepaway Camp. Yep, that's right. Which was the final film he ever did playing the role as Mel, the sleazy camp uh, counselor, the head camp counselor guy who tries to go on a date with a 17-year-old and he's like <laughs> 60. Uh, yeah, he played Mel in that movie. That was his last movie ever. He died of cancer literally months after sleepaway camp but uh in this movie it's 1976 he is the deputy commissioner you kind of can't miss him if you've seen sleepaway camp would you agree he's got one of those faces for sure yeah and voices right he's got face and voice similar to richard lynch it's a face that you you just know that face when you see it oh yeah totally totally uh long island speaking of uh, faces speaking of faces in the crowd Mm -hmm. this is apparently Andy Kaufman's first appearance in a film. Yes. Um, okay, as I'm watching the movie, again, this was my first time seeing this movie, a movie I'd always wanted to see. It was in that mental-to-watch pile. Um, there's a close-up of Andy Kaufman's face. He plays a police officer in a parade. And I go, is that Andy Kaufman? And then I kind of <laughs> just went, went away in the back of my head. And then as I'm doing the research, I went, son of a bitch, it was Andy Kaufman. Yep. As the police assassin, and it is one of his first credits too. It's his first film credit ever, actually. As soon as I saw him, I was like, "This motherfucker looks just like Andy Kaufman." Let me, and I immediately went to my phone to IMDb to check it out, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, of course." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He he did he had done TV work before '76, but sure enough, his first actual film role is uh, the police officer who gets a little. A little buck wild in this movie. Yeah. Now, as we mentioned, this takes place in the 70s in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, I feel like in the 70s, 
you heard about a lot of like uh, random murders by gunmen and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, this has a pretty unforgettable beginning, listeners. Um, you know, it's like a sunny afternoon in Manhattan, busy streets, busy day. And all of a sudden you hear gunshots and people getting shot and just close-ups of people getting pegged off by a fucking sniper. I mean, it's it's a wild beginning, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It sets That's the tone the beginning of the film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a guy's on a water tower with a twenty-two caliber rifle randomly killing people. He kills all in all 15 pedestrians. Wow. Brutal beginning. And uh, Tony Lobianco's character, he's a, he's a cop. You know, mm-hmm. he's uh, on the scene of the, you know, the scene. The shooter's up on the water tower, and I'll, I'm going to call him Lobianco because I don't, I don't, I don't, he doesn't look like a Nick, like a, a Nicholas to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll call him by his acting name. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So he climbs up. They're trying to, uh, to bring him in alive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, he's up there. It's like a young, younger man. And, uh, he asks him, you know, basically, why is he murdering all these people? And the, the guy replies, God told me to. Mm-hmm. And um, propelled himself off the top of the tower. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's Hard it. ass it, beginning, man. Hard. Real, yeah. Hard beginning. And yeah. uh, you can see that it's kind of, it kind of haunts him because, like, there's another scene where he's, he's in bed with his, uh, you know, his, his, what turns out to be his girlfriend. And, girlfriend um, mm-hmm. yeah and he wakes up out of a nightmare and i imagine most cops have nights like that you know with all the stuff those guys see you know mm. uh the girlfriend was quite the looker her name uh was deborah raffin she was an actress she was also a model no surprise there um yeah it's kind of weird how you within about 20 minutes into the movie you, you realize that she was not his wife that he actually has a wife and it's like the very weird kind of scenario going on there, huh? Also of note, this movie, um, in certain places in America, was referred to as Demon, Michael. Really? Not God told me to. Yes. Interesting. Because it, it, it didn't do that well in certain places. And a lot of times, if a movie didn't perform well, uh, it got to get retitled. And one of the retitlings of this movie, of this movie was Demon. What do you think of that title? I'm thinking about it right now because uh, we can build up to that because there's there's yeah, so much yeah. that I can almost see that really, but then again I can't see it at all. Yeah, it's kind of a we. I don't know if it completely fits. Uh, God told me to is actually the better title in my opinion. Yeah, but maybe not the better title in 1976. Who knows, right? Well, yeah, because that that becomes like a recurring theme throughout the film. You know, there's yeah. a, a wave of crime that's descending on New York City random murders by people who don't have a background in being violent you know fathers killing their kids and, yes and, and and the the reason that unanimously everyone across the board says that god told me to that's their justification for all this murder and um basically uh peter nicholas who uh we're referring to as his real name tony lobianco uh, learns that at the scene of all these crimes, uh, there's this person who's described as ha- a, a, a male or potentially a female having 
shoulder length blonde hair, right? Yes. They keep they, they keep saying that. And we learn he has a very odd kind of common name of Bernard Phillips, right? Yes. Yes. And you know, they have a, a little bit of trouble trying to get some information on Bernard Phillips until they finally get an address for him. And this is fairly early on in the film. Uh, Tony Lobianco goes to visit that address. And this is another kind of buckwild bonkers scene. The mother with the knife in, in the hallway. Yeah. Who starts like, you know, going after him and attacking him. And she's like all deranged and crazy. That was actually a scary scene, huh? It was, and also the way it was lit, it was like super dark, and you kind of couldn't yeah. really see what was going on, too. You know, you, you couldn't tell if he was if he was going to die or not. Uh, you know, the lieutenant, but uh, it, it it turns out like she she assaults him with a knife, and she falls down a flight of stairs, and basically, you know, we learn that she was abducted, right, by aliens. Well, she claims to have been abducted by aliens when she was younger. Well, um, before right? we get into that, I want to kind of talk a little bit about how this movie starts off as this kind of police procedural. And mm -hmm. this could have, this the story could have easily just been like a cop movie, really, where there's like a bunch of nut jobs out there, like killing people. You yes, know. I agree. But then it takes this turn. And mm -hmm. this is right around the time that it takes this turn because there's another, another one of the murderers who did not die he's in he's in custody uh lobianco goes to visit him and the guy is like has this very peaceful vibe and uh -huh. he murdered his his kid and his uh his wife and there's yeah, a that scene, scene was disturbing it was like super creepy you know and and uh you know tony lobianco was getting really upset you know because it's yeah, like, yeah. a kid and all this and the guy makes a statement about how sacrifices to your God is nothing new. There's nothing new, right? It's in the Bible. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So this kind of, yeah, this kind of creates like this kind of vibe where it's like, okay, there's something going on. There's like, you know, the idea of God, the idea of religion, all this stuff kind of plays into the storyline. And then we find out about um, Bernard Phillips's mother. Mm-hmm. And there's a really interesting scene where they they find what was it guy like a cab driver or something like that who yeah picks her up? yeah mm -hmm. yeah so out in New Jersey <laughs> this guy comes across this naked woman this is all told in like flashback flashback in black and white right yeah, which I thought was cool yeah some naked woman's running through uh, the wilds in New Jersey and this guy picks her up. And put gives her you know gives her a coat and everything and and she talks about how she was walking on the beach in Massachusetts or something like that on the, and and then she just was abducted by into this like spaceship. Yeah, and she claims she she was a virgin. Yes. Also. Yeah. Mm, and why, um, when she gets returned, which is around the time this guy finds her, she discovers that she's pregnant, similar to you know, the immaculate conception in the bible of the virgin mary yeah yeah um you had said before we got rolling uh something that i'm going to wholeheartedly agree with yeah um it has a dc vertigo comics vibe to it this story like it takes that turn it starts out 70s kind of crime thing 
And then all of a sudden, it, it's it comes out of like like a Hellblazer vibe. Is totally, you know, totally, yeah. totally yeah. done. Especially maybe in like the earlier versions of the Hellblazer comic, like you know the OG hundred issue run of Hellblazer, like when he was really kind of like solving. You know, mysteries, murders, cases, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, or John Constantine. This is like a case that he would have had to deal with, I think, in Hellblazer. And, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So so now it's like it's like turning into this like supernatural alien kind of, you know, caper that we're trying to figure mm -hmm. out, like what what the resolution of this whole thing is. And um, so yeah, so that's that's the story. This uh this Bernard Phillips guy is like the, basically the Nephilim. <laughs> he's, yes, yeah. he's the Nephilim. And if you know what we're talking about, folks, the Nephilim, you know your, your, your I don't know if we're going to call it, uh, it's Christian folklore because it's kind of, it's not really in the Bible, is it? Um, it's when an angel mates with a, a, a human woman and the, the child that they beget is like this being called the Nephilim. A lot of times it's like a giant or it's like some kind of magical, crazy, sketchy being. Right, Mike? Exactly. Yeah. 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 They catch up with the doctor who delivered uh, Bernard Phillips. <laughs> and it turns out that they couldn't tell the sex of the child at first. Yeah. And he has this whole thing where he's like, you know, he's male and female sex organ. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that, that, that gives this whole, it just adds to this mystery about, what bernard phillips actually is or who he is and mm. you know the, it's the christian angle the you know, roman catholic angle the alien angle like all that stuff is playing is at play right now oh yeah and uh we should let the listeners know peter nicholas uh tony lobianco is a huge catholic uh we should let you all know he's you know before the murders start before any of the craziness in new york city starts and all that He's already a very kind of religious man, very devout Catholic, but he has always kind of felt a bit off, right, Mike? He, he just hasn't been sure about himself and his life and a lot of weird stuff with the first wife, right? Yeah, that's the thing, man. It's like the first wife, there, there, there is this weird attachment that they have. Yes. You know, and um, the new girlfriend you know it's like somehow she figures in and and he's there's distance mm -hmm. and there's a lot of really interesting dialogue that, as the, that goes on later in the film for sure yeah his girlfriend casey she feels like she's not really being let in on his feelings which she obviously is not and that he might be you know hiding something which he obviously is and she's kind of aware that he's pretty much still going to see his wife martha right yeah. on the regular yes like they there's yeah there's some weird interesting dialogue and some of it I actually wasn't sure if i, I kind of didn't understand some of it actually <laughs> there was this whole thing but, about about uh her having his wife having miscarriages and and yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and and then the, it turns out that like th there was based there was you know it kind of ties into a, a bit of who we it, it turns out uh tony lobianco is right obviously um but yeah it gets very supernatural it's got a space angle it's got a religious angle and there are these crazy murders taking place there is a basically a, a cult 
that is kind of worshiping, uh, you know, <laughs> this being, right? It's like a bit of a cult conspiracy thing going on. Yeah. Uh, that's worshiping Bernard Phillips, so to speak. Then there was an interesting scene where his co-workers, including our friend from sleepaway camp, call his girlfriend, Casey, into the office, right? Yeah, they're interrogating her. Yeah. They interrogate her to ask her questions. And it's interesting. For a B-movie, some of the acting in this movie is quite good. Would you agree? Well, they, they got some real Gs like in this in this movie, like real experienced character actors in this film. So I'm yeah. not, I wasn't, you know, to me, I, I was like, yeah, this, this is totally what I expected from these actors, you know? And it's like you've got like... You've got a few movies in one, in a way, you know, but it's not like a hot mess. Not really. I mean, look, some of the effects are a bit wonky. It's 19, shot in 75, came out in 76. Uh, it was a low-budget film. Um, but you're you're there, you know? You're, you're, you're not grabbing your phone like it's Stranger Things. You know what I'm saying? No, you're no. watching the movie. <laughs> and I really, this is on Shudder right now, so... I really want people to go out and see this movie because the conclusion of this film is pretty intense, man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I really want to spoil the ending, honestly, because it's... We don't have to. Yeah, we don't have to. Even though this came out in 76, I feel like this wasn't something that... it's. It, it wasn't like a big blockbuster, and a lot of people haven't... I mean, hell, you and I, who are fans of this type of thing... We didn't see it until just a couple weeks ago or whatever this past yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it is also on Amazon for like three bucks, so in, in HD, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and as we had said at the, the start of the episode, uh, there's a, a beautiful, you know, 4K HD fucking disc of it. And uh, yeah, there's the, the OG DVD and, and older version Blu-ray are all out there for the taking. Um, it is fairly shocking ending kind of kind of a 70s bummer ending would you would you agree it definitely has a downbeat ending yeah and, uh, yeah. and the whole movie like I, I watched it twice and the first time i mm -hmm. saw it I, I was like man this really got I, I i had so many things running through my head at the end of this movie and um mm -hmm. and i was like man because it, it ties into so much stuff that i'm interested in you know yes it does. religion you know aliens conspiracies cults like all that stuff and then you know of course there's it's kind of nested within this uh, police procedural crime film mm. you know so it kind of has all these elements in it that make for a really really interesting uh viewing interesting uh cohen's main inspiration to make this movie was reading the bible and how you know on i guess a new reading of it how violent it came across and shocking and uh, an, another book that inspired him to, to write and make this movie, uh, the book Chariots of the Gods, uh, which a book I've always heard about over the years by Eric von Daniken, um, but never checked out Chariots of the Gods. It's from uh, 1968, probably still available. You can get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I got two yeah. copies. I got two copies of it, actually. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, some more little fun facts. Uh one of my favorite character actors ever, the late Robert Forster, was originally supposed to be in this movie, apparently even shot a few days' worth of scenes for the movie, and then just quit <laughs> because Cohen was one of those directors who yelled a lot 
And I don't like people who yell a lot. So I said, I'm out of here, <laughs> that quote unquote. So this would have been an interesting movie with Robin Forster as the star. Um, another cool tidbit, uh, Bernard Herman, the famous composer who had scored uh, Cohen's earlier film, It's Alive, and also scored Taxi Driver, was supposed to score this movie um, and died pretty much right before he was able to, to score this film. So uh, the movie ended up being dedicated to him, actually. Uh, so yeah, Bernard Herrmann. Uh, would, would have been some, the music for this movie is decent. Um, it it might have been probably something else if uh, Bernard Herrmann might have scored it. Now you know we a lot of times we talk about uh, remakes and you know our our take on films being remade mm -hmm. and some of the older classics that you know maybe they should have left well enough alone. Yeah, uh, you and I were talking about how this one actually would be a nice remake. It would be because I think again with money not being an issue or look giving this basic premise an update, you know, I mean, hell there's even the, the, the her hermaphrodite setting, which was real shocking in 1976 might be quite a bit less shocking in 2022. Um, I just think the overall story, if it played really kind of straight and serious and dark would be pretty wild uh, in, in modern eyes, you know, um, look, back then, Ebert gave this movie a one out of four, cut to uh, the 2000s, Rolling Stone magazine names it one of the 20 scariest movies you've never seen. So that just shows you time, people. Sometimes movies need time. Ideas need time. Uh, I would definitely think an upgrade with this kind of basic same premise would be pretty fucking fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and 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 this the original's good. I mean, you know, it, it's atmospheric. It takes place in the seventies. It has this gritty, yeah. grittiness, this New York grittiness to it. The acting is good. The story is something I thought it very unique for the time that mm. it came out. Like that, these weren't well. Maybe you know, I mean, maybe we're like The Exorcist and things like that, like religion, and there was like this yeah, kind of sketchier I mean, sides of religion. I would not put this on the list of the post-exorcist ripoffs. No, 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 I, no, no, not for I sure. I wouldn't do that, but I would put it in maybe that religious mindset. But Cohen does something just, it's totally different from any kind of possession movie. It's not a possession movie. Well, uh, it has, would... It's a religion movie. It's a, it's a religion slash extraterrestrial slash crime drama horror movie. You know, that's pretty wild well well what, what i in my mind at least i've been creating this other genre that's like uh roman catholic horror <laughs> that's like yeah that oh, has yeah. like heavy duty roman catholic imagery you know and that's what that's why i mentioned the exorcist and you know mm -hmm. the, alice sweet alice alice yeah. sweet alice like the, the old sure, sure it fits nicely with all those other films i think i think so too i think so too but yeah i mean I think there's a reason why it's now on lists of greatest horror movies you've ever seen and why it's getting looked at with, you know, new eyes and reevaluated as a good movie. It's because it is a good movie. Uh, it just, I don't think the world was ready for it at the time, Mike. What about you? You're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and and once again, it's uh, you know we we, we talked about the title too, mm -hmm. because the title it was re because I guess it didn't blaze up the uh, you know it wasn't really doing great and uh, they changed the title. At mm. one point, it was known as Demon. At some point, Demon, yeah, just Demon. I mean, the Demon, like, you go and see a movie in the seventies called Demon. It could be fucking anything. I mean, it, I mean, it, I mean, you don't know what the hell it's gonna be. It's, it's, I don't know. God told me to is the better name overall. Um, but yeah, the movie, it, it wasn't a hit or anything. It's just one of these cool movies that you know we on the show in particular kind of like to champion and get out there. And obviously we know other people before us have probably championed this movie as well. But it is funny to see it, it getting, you know, this love. And it even hit Time Out Magazine's top 100 best horror films back in 2014. How about that? This would be another one I'd like to see Joe Bob do on The Last Drive-In too. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if he did it like way back and we just didn't see it, but I don't think he's done it. No. Well, no, they, this has only been on shutter for a few months actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, what would you give 1976 as God told me to on our scale of one to five? I gave it a 4.5. 4.5. I give it a very solid four with a bullet. Yeah. Uh, it is a great horror film. It's worth seeing. Uh, it's not perfect. Um, you know, it is, you know, it's not Halloween. It's not the thing, but it is a very good movie, and it is definitely worth your time. Having seen a lot of Cohen's other films, this one is up there, man. Maybe one of my favorite, maybe my favorite film that he's done, actually. I would like to see It's Alive again. That was like one of those when you're a young kid video store movies, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, pairs well with Basket Case, would you say? Yep, I would say it's that alive too. Basket Case double feature yep. now that would be a fun on uh, on joe bob's driving we give oh, joe wow. bob love on this show don't we <laughs> yeah and it's funny like there is some uh, sort of synchronicity with some of the things that we talk about that actually end up on his show yes months later yes months later <laughs> a lot of the movies we cover are uh, covered on his show it just it is what it is i just think great minds maybe think alike that's what i think who knows right well you know halloween is right around the corner you know really if you think about it it's july it it's is. only a few more months till october and uh mm -hmm. there'll be for you know no doubt there's going to be a joe bob thing in uh in october so you know maybe this will show up oh, on no, the show. Totally. and uh speaking of halloween just a little brief uh you know mention uh the halloween uh trailer for the new film halloween ends did you see it i have not good very good i mean look Thank God it's not one of those let's show the whole movie in it, but, you know, creepy, was brief, you know, uh, enjoyable. Um, another trailer I saw and I enjoyed, which has been, you know, rife with uh, community chatter, is uh, Rob Zombie's Monsters. Did you see that trailer? Yeah, man. I, I, I'm not going to. Oh, come on. There, Really? No, nah, man. I, I, I would hate myself if I went to that movie, I think. What? Yeah. Wait a minute. Even with the newly reappraised Michael of Rob Zombie's work? What? This is just one one bridge too far for me, man. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> I think he's perfect for this. I enjoyed the hell out of the uh, trailer, and uh, I'm excited about it. I don't know, man. That's just that's just me. 
Maybe we should do a uh, a Forty Second Street viewing of this. Maybe we can, we, <laughs> yes. can go to, we can go together or something like that. And check it out. Oh my God! Well, you know, look, uh, I know we'll probably end up doing our roundtable Halloween ends. I do think you and I should should cover the monsters. Will, All right, will you, will you yeah. cover it with me. Fuck it, why not? Okay, I, I've I've done you know more dubious yeah. things than that for sure. But yeah, that comes out in September. Halloween ends comes out, of course, October fourteenth. Yeah. I look, man. I I gotta say, I I I hope it puts a fucking cap on it. I really do. I hope it. You know, I mean, it's probably not gonna, unfortunately. But it is called Halloween Ends, so maybe it is. You know, you know, what we am, should do am, with the monsters, man. We should hmm. coordinate a day that, like, when I'm in the city for work and you're in the city for work, and check mm-hmm. it out, like, on one of those 34th Street, like, uh, okay, AMC theater, you know, at, like early evening showings or something like that. Okay, it is going straight to Netflix though. Oh, I, fuck! It it. Really? Yeah, it, I'm trying to, re- I'm trying to remember if it is even getting a theatrical. The it's getting a Blu-ray DVD prior to the netflix like the week or so prior and then it's going to be on netflix which in a way is kind of great for rob zombie and it's 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 great it's like before halloween like he's finally getting to do something halloweenish that doesn't come out in like june you know or or, like you know what i'm saying like fair enough like you know a lot of times a lot of his shit does not come out in the right fucking month if you've noticed you know, yeah. it'll come out in, in the months where movies go to die or horror movies go to die. <laughs> so. Well, you know, all right. If it's on, if it's going to be on Netflix and it's no skin off my back, so I'll, I'll, yeah, just, I'll yeah. just watch it, you know. Just, we'll plop it on. We'll plop it on. But uh, well, how about that? I thought you'd be a little more excited, a little bit more. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I know Jeff is going to be very into it. Super man, he doesn't (laughs) like anything, man. I'd be surprised. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I listened to the uh, the the off uh, season episode. Yeah, you guys uh, not super into off season. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that episode made me not even bother watching it. I just listened to the episode, so I'm good. I'm not yeah, going to Yeah, man, Richard Brake, man. The fucking guy mm. rules. I want to see more of him. I want to see him as a leading man. Remember him in, well, 30, in 31? He was great. Yeah, amazing. Hey, man, sometimes Brake's got to eat, and I'm sure this movie was I got to eat movie. You know, that's he's, I'm a working actor. He was right? one, of the, one of the best things in the movie was him, actually. I'm sure he was. All right, maybe I will watch it. Just yeah. because. Yeah, yeah, put it on. It's not It's not so bad. Like I said, there were good things about it. It just overall wasn't that great. Yeah. They can't all be winners, as no, they man, say. Of course not, you know. Uh, you know, yeah. you got to have some turkeys in there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all right, listeners, this was another fine edition of Necromaniacs Podcast, your weekly horror extravaganza. Right, Michael? That's right. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care now. Take care, everybody. Bye.
Let's do 